0: Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. hope our listeners are having a wonderful Hanukkah. Um, on today's show, we have a guest with us. I believe, actually, we may have gifted uh, one of her DVDs to our daughters for Hanukkah a number of years back, and that was how we first came to know Rebbits and Tap. You know, it's funny when you're speaking to someone who sort of has their alter ego in sort of a social media sphere, like I do as Jew in the City, um, but she actually has a real name, as do I, um, and her name is Dr. Carrie Barr. Alan, did I get there? Sorry, Bar Cohen. Look at that. That's how good um, I am at uh, getting getting the actual names correct. I am Allison Joseph. Mendy Pellin just messed that up on our recent video. So, yes, we have Dr. Carrie Bar Cohen here with us today um, to talk about her DVD series, Rebbits in Tap. And thank you so much for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be talking to you, Allison.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to be talking to you as well. I think we've only, at this point, uh, exchanged emails in the past. So um, we first heard about you a number of years ago. Um, you had emailed me and let me know about this uh, you know, tap dance and singing video for for children. And we got it from my girls. And let me tell you, they, they were pretty popular for a while because they were kind of first in our neighborhood to get your DVDs. And we played these DVDs at birthday parties and sleepovers and – just to give our uh, listeners a little bit of a background as to what Rabbits Tap is, um, it's, you know, sort of uh, Jewish-themed singing, dancing, all sorts of, you know, points of faith and traditions um, put to really catchy music and inspirational. And um, for me, really, it's like something I'd never seen before being done in the Jewish world with such great uh, sort of production. Um, And, you know, our kids do consume uh, media, and we are choosy about what they consume, and they do consume some secular media, um, but it's nice for there to be higher quality Jewish media for them to see. Um, and so to get us started, since, you know, a singing and tap dancing, uh, Rebitsin making DVDs is not the most common thing that we see coming out of Vermont Beach Shemesh, can you share with our listeners a little bit about how you got started on this journey? Like, where were you before you
1: became Rebbetson Tap? Um, first of all, thank you so much. It makes me so happy to hear that you saw the DVDs and you enjoyed them. Me and my husband put so much thought of exactly what would be the right educational funness for kids and how to get them excited. So when I hear that people watch them, we made them to be watched, so I'm so happy to hear that. Um, so are you asking me a little bit about uh, my background before I start making the DVDs? Yeah. Um, so Great. So. I was raised in a typical, involved, Reform family, and I went to Nifty Conventions, and I went to Reform Synagogue once a month, and I was basically raised with the attitude of um, be a good person, support Israel, and marry a Jew, and that's how I kind of started my Jewish journey started. Um, after that, I was sent to Israel, and through Israel, coming to Israel, I, I tapped into an idea of something bigger, and I've always been a very sensitive, idealistic soul, and I really, um, it, my heart just sang being part of something bigger and meaningful, and I needed that. And society of being very achievement-oriented and personally achievement-oriented was uh, disheartening for me. So that's how I got myself to Israel. Now, in terms of the performing, I mean, I was a kid with lessons, and I was a performer. From as early as I can remember, like every single school show, I, I was the lead, and I was won competitions in dance, and I was in the shows, and I was in commercials. I was a top performer. And until a certain age, I thought that's what I was going to do. And most importantly, I want to share about that is what was so captivating about performing is, A, I knew it was my natural talent. I, you know, my, my art projects were never picked for the wall. I was picked out to be the lead. So I always knew that was my talent compared to my peers. And also, I knew specifically my talent was that I was very good at bringing joy and excitement, and creativity, that that was kind of my specialty, and, you know, that, like, reviews about me would always be, she brings sunshine into the room, you can't help smile when you see her, so I knew that that was my performing gift, that, that which is a, a real gift in life, to know what you're good at, and what you like to do, and that's how I kind of, you know, that's the background of coming to become room and being Ramaphat and. And would you like me to
0: say more or do you have any questions? Yeah, No, no, that's great. So as, a, as you're sitting here and, and talking about natural performer, I also was always a natural performer. We kept our family held hostage at, um, you know, uh, holiday dinners. Like my mother would feed them, then we would bring them into the den and my sisters and I would just like start singing and dancing. And, you know, you you couldn't leave until we were done um, performing, um, and I was also in school shows and, you know, dance and gymnastics and all that sort of stuff. I'm curious because I had a little bit of this, um, I guess issue or tension for myself as I made that journey to observance. I thought I was going to have to give up that part of me, that performing side of me, because it wasn't so clear to me at first how I could fit in, um, performing. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I was I did do singing and dancing, although that wasn't, you know, um, my my greatest passion, just but just sort of even performing in general, having some sort of like place in the spotlight. Um, I didn't see so easily how that could fit into um, a, a halachic life, you know, and, uh, you know, in terms of sneas and that sort of a thing. Is that anything that you struggled with where you thought that maybe this part of yourself might have to sort of go away as you became a more observant Jew?
1: Um, This is a good point, and I see a lot of people struggling with this issue. For me personally, it kind of worked the reverse. I was kind of um, on track and personally on track that I wanted to become a performer until I was about 15 years old. If you asked me what I wanted to do with my life, I would have told you I wanted to be on Broadway. And then I was realizing outside of becoming religious, that being a performer isn't what I thought it would be. It wasn't about bringing creativity and bringing joy. It ended up about being maybe selling things that I didn't even really know about, and that's called lying. <laughs> or maybe it would be about being in, in movies that I didn't agree with. It wasn't going to be what I idealistically thought it would be. Mm-hmm. So I had a disillusionment with performing before I became religious, and that's kind of why when I came to Israel, it's what I was looking for. I didn't want a life where I was you know, kind of being told... Like, okay, I want you to, you know, I want you to look this and feel this and act this. And it's, it's like, this wasn't my vision of what I had to offer the world. So it was actually, to me, in my experience, becoming Froome was, was the answer. I'd already kind of stopped performing. I don't want to do didn't want to be in that. Either you become famous, and that was just kind of weird, or you don't become famous, and that's a mega bummer. So, like, I kind of dropped acting, and I was looking for more. And that's how I became more religious. That's, I was first here in Israel in secular Zionism. And uh, through that, I came into religious people, Israelite program, um, and I became more religious. So it was only actually years later that I, that I was able to bring it back in, and that was a real, uh, that was a real joy and culmination to have those aspects come back. Now, when I was about 10, um, 10 I started in the local production of Annie. And, um, you know, that was the highlight of my life, and I had a vision when I was 10 that one day I would be like Miss Hannigan and Annie. But that was kind of in the crevices of my mind, and I stopped performing, and I came to Israel, I became religious, and I did all sorts of other things. I went on to I got married, I had kids, I became a chiropractor, and I was so with that, but I had a little teapot of not feeling, a little dot of not feeling good, because I was trained, and I knew I was good, but I hadn't done anything with my performing, training, and skill. So when I came back to Ramat-Bait Shamish in my early 30s with my kids, they were doing a local production of Andy, and because of that, I was ready to step back in and, and say, okay, I'm going to do this. It was over 10 years, and that's what kind of brought me back to the, an- the performing, and it was actually a culmination of, oh, my gosh, I can do the performing, and I can be firm, and it was really a joyous um, bringing together. And so the birth so of it, this was and an all-women's production? It was an all-women's production, which I hadn't even, I hadn't even thought of. I kind of, I had let it go, and I, 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 I had made peace, I always had a little feeling bad that I hadn't done something with my gift, but I had made peace because that's what the acting profession was like and what you can do, and I wasn't really, and I wanted to do other things.
0: Right, so I feel like people come to me and say, like, I want to get into acting, and... I feel like I'm not part of like the, you know, Hollywood industry. I've sort of carved out my own niche online where you can control what you do and how you do it. And it's just so much more freedom for the actor to express yourself as you want to be. Because really, I mean, so many actors um, really they're at the mercy of the director and the producer and, you know, are lacking that freedom, even though we watch and think like, wow, how glamorous to be up there and to have all these people looking at you. Um, a lot of times, you know, things are not as they want them to be, but they go along with it because of lack of power. So, okay, so you, 10 years, you're off. You.
1: So do that's, that's exactly, that is beautiful. And that's exactly form, what form. I was realizing as a teenager that I didn't want to be part of. So um, in terms of my life now, sometimes I go and I speak to seminaries or I speak to high school groups. And going back, it's exactly what I was not able to get in the secular acting world. I was able to get once I became religious. Because now that I'm religious, like you said, I have the freedom to do exactly what I want. And I'm so clear on the mission statement to inspire kids, to bring joy in their lives, to make them love being Jewish. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, this is what I want, why I wanted to perform. This was my gift. And it was like, I essentially, I sometimes we look at Froom Life and we think, if I become true, it's all these doors that are closing. Right. But for me, it was an opening. Now it's just like I could really spearhead exactly what my gifts were and what I wanted to do in the world. And it's only by making it into a religious frame that I was able to do my original intention, which was to make people happy and bring joy. You know, this,
0: this reminds me of an article I saw recently um, written by Mila Kunis, who said after she was in some big movie, a, a, I think director or producer wanted her to, like, pose semi-nude on the cover of a magazine and she, for the first time, stood up for herself and said, I won't do that. And he said to her, you'll never work in this town again. And thank God she was able to be successful despite standing up for herself. But that really sort of um, showed me that, you know, a lot of times there is that lack of freedom in this world that we find so glamorous. And like you're saying, by having halacha sort of make these boundaries for you of I won't do this and I can't do that, then that space is carved out. And then what you can do um is sometimes it's more comfortable sometimes we need something sort of an outside force to say no that's a line i won't cross that's my religion um and i think that sort of you know helps the person have more freedom from other people pushing them around in terms of what they'll do and exactly like finding a way to channel the the talent um because originally when i had this need to perform or be in the spotlight there's nothing really positive about it there's nothing you know really um, Nice about like wanting to run into the spotlight and have all eyes on you I I look at that part of myself and I see that in a way really it's I think a lower thing I think really it's a higher level to you know Do things from behind the scenes and, and be more modest in that way, but I know that God created me in this way, and once I was able to channel sort of that desire to be in front of people um, and use that to inspire Jews and break down stereotypes and use my humor um, to do all that, then suddenly it takes something that feels maybe kind of lonely and not so admirable and and gives it a meaning and a purpose, and knowing that, you know, I have a unique way to do this. So how how did Rebitson Tap come about like how did you go from i like singing and dancing to i'm going to come up with this alter ego and start making videos and dvds for children
1: okay great so i just started um annie here through Zirk i made the regal show which is great shows and i support all women's creative theater and they're a great show everybody should get their dvds so i was doing their shows and then we went on to do the wizard of oz and different shows and people would come up to me and they would say um um, I love you in this, that was amazing, you know, it's so wonderful what you guys are doing, I only let my kids watch your DVDs, That's the only thing they're allowed to watch, and it is a great show, and everybody should watch it, and it's such great messages, but I thought to myself, oh my gosh, there's a real lack here, the only thing you're letting your kids watch is a knockoff of Annie, like, there's a dirt, there's a real need here, and that's when I opened my eyes of, we need media for Jewish kids, and specifically Jewish girls, like, There's nothing for Jewish girls in media, and our our world has become so media-dominant, and everywhere the Jewish girl market is not being supplied, and even kid market. And that's how it started. So my husband is extremely creative, and he has a film degree. He came up with the idea of rabbits and tap. And um, we came up with a plot, and this is going to be the plot, and we're going to have a plot about getting ready for Shabbos, and we're going to teach him how to make challah, and we're going to teach him about fessage. And we're going to have values like Eretz Yisrael that are kind of put in organically and and being happy and being through happy organically. And that's how we got started.
0: And how long was it from And the rest is
1: history. How how long
0: was it from conception um, to, I guess, production? Like when the moment that you said, I need to make something for Jewish girls, they don't have enough, um, you know, material and role models and uh, media to watch. From that day to the first day that someone could purchase a Rebbets and Tap DVD, how long was that uh, timeline?
1: That's a really good question. So, you know, there's the idea phase where things percolate. So I'm not, you know, gosh, we all have all these, you know, I, I, when I was 20, I said I went on a marathon. I ran a marathon last year. So sometimes you have the idea, but you don't really say, I only started training three years before, whatever. So when, I, when my husband articulated it and said, this is what we want to do, and we started, it took about a year. It took about a year before we had that DVD in our hand, and that was, we came up with the idea, and we started, and we started with the songs. That's how long it took.
0: You know, I love talking to people that have done stuff because I feel like there's so many people that talk about doing stuff, and they talk and talk and talk and talk, and and then it never actually comes about. So, I mean, going from conception to production in a year is really uh, tremendous. So, okay, and and that was the first DVD that we got that, you know, there's uh, Shabbos's, you guys are late for Shabbos. Get ready for Shabbos. I think it really spoke to me, like, rushing to Shabbos, because that's what our Shabbos looks like every week. So, And, you know, just doing that to music was great. Um, And um, can you tell us, like, a little bit about what kind of feedback you've received from – well, first of all, how how many DVDs have you made to date at this point? Okay, so we're up to five.
1: We have two plot DVDs, Get Ready for Shabbos and Jewish Holiday Celebration. We have one dance-along of all levels, all types of dance. We have one tap dance course and one acting course.
0: And so what, what kind of feedback have you received from the community?
1: Okay, so it, it's funny. It's a multi-layer question. From the community, it has been so overwhelmingly positive. It, 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 I don't know what to say. I got feedback from all wa- walks of life, and the feedback I got was so varied and deeply and appreciated, and it was really deeply meaningful then. That was one of the main reasons to just keep going because you, when you get feedback like this, you're like, ah, I have an obligation to do this. And then, like I said before, my gift is not to make more cookies for the local thing. I've got to make more, more DVDs. Now I make YouTube videos, you know, like to make more, to disseminate, because this is really touching people.
0: And has there been any criticism
1: of it? Okay, great. So um, it's interesting, because you were talking about, um, you know, people making goals and, you know, your community norm and your personal norm. Um, the strongest criticism I had was in my own social friendship network. And really? that, was, that was painful, and it was a huge growth, and it was a huge growth of my own personal mission, and it gave me a lot of clarity. Um, I got First of all, there was just the, Carrie, your wig is terrible, you need to whiten your teeth. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm like, whoa! <laughs> you know, and that was, okay, fine, friends can be harsh, or they think they're being helpful. Side note. But then there was, I didn't get this anywhere except for for my own circle, which was, Carrie, you need to be careful. You cannot put your picture on the cover. You're not putting Cody Shaw, you know, strong enough. You shouldn't be talking to your husband on the video. Like, major sneer stoppers in my own community of, like, what are you thinking? And I was like, oh, my gosh, what what norm am I breaking? Am I doing something terrible? Now, Mm -hmm. five DVDs later, I I can, now that I have to really think through what was going on there, what I am personally about, I can strongly say, there's no halakha about showing my face. This is, this is some other person's issue or some other person's social norm or personal norm has nothing to do with me. Right. And um, that was a big learning lesson. So, you know, and uh, the lesson I want to impart to others, as people are listening, hopefully, is that you got to be really clear on what you stand for and what you're not going to stand for. And your mission in the world is not someone else's mission in the world. And if someone else doesn't want to show their face, great for them. But But I had a lot of... Uh, to offer, and to me, I wasn't breaking anything, and I'm being a real strong role model, and thank God I kept going, because I've been able to have so much positive contribution through um, through doing what was clearly right to me and my family decision, and not what other people's norms are.
0: You know, it's interesting, for people that want to be so firm and tell other people, you know, what not to do and what they're not allowed to do, and that showing your face will break some sort of, you know, sneeze norm, um... It's so troubling because, I mean, how many women and men are being turned off to frimkite because they feel like there's no space for women at all, that, you know, here you're doing something that's within halacha, you're giving the warning, you know, it's it's a recording, um, and there's many things that you can rely on of why this is okay, but because someone has imposed their own personal, you know, chumrah here, their own stringency on you, um, it's it's just so, I don't know, I mean, I've I've been there too, I mean, I'm not singing in my videos, but I've for sure gotten the criticism of, you know, what's a woman doing making videos. Um, and so it's, uh, it certainly can get you down, but... Um, and
1: also, now you can appreciate, which I'm sure this has to be in your mission statement, one, there's so many goals of Revit's and Tap and missions, but one of them now is Daska to, to be a female role model, and a female Froom role model that can act uninhibited and happy and joyous, and that being Froom... Is a joyous and happy thing. It doesn't mean you have to have a closed down personality. You can be a very in inhibited personality type and a joyous personality type, and still be true. And to have that woman, that to have the women role models that like you're not, we're not seeing women enough. And all these kids are seeing so much media and they're not seeing the orthodox women. And how important right. it is. We can, you know, between you and me, we can come up with a handful of people of women that are in, in the public eye. And how important yeah. it is for girls to see women role models.
0: Yeah. So I'll tell you, I speak all around the world, and I've had so many talks where after the talk is over, the father or the mother bring up their daughter to meet me, and they say, I wanted my daughter to see a woman who's out there and speaking and has that sort of platform. So I didn't realize at first, really, um, for my own mission, that there was going to be sort of this submission beneath it. I just thought that the idea was to come out and break down stereotypes about Orthodox Jews in general. But um, once I got out there, I realized how much of a shortage there was in other Orthodox Jewish women you know, having that voice and having that public persona. And um, I guess like you, like you, um, I realized there was that submission um, within the the larger mission. Um, And are Uh, your DVDs mostly being watched by people in the Frum community or is it any sort of an outreach component to it? Are you hearing from any secular Jews who somehow came upon the CD, uh, sorry, the DVD and, you know, had a stereotype about Orthodox Jews or Orthodox Judaism broken down?
1: Well, there's a certain amount that are running into the DVD just because they go in the Jewish bookstore and they see it. And, and for okay. some people, they write me that, like, this is, this is Pesach, the Pesach song. They know the Seder because I sing the Seder, you know, the order the Seder in the song. Mm-hmm. But I'll be honest, which you know the power of this, I started creating non-singing and dancing informational YouTube videos, which are very, you know, mm-hmm. goofy and kids-friendly, and I say, can you say dreidel? You know, that kind of thing. And yeah. kids really respond to my style, and now I have... Sunday schools from Reform, you know, synagogues and all over the country telling me that they share it as part of their Sunday school curriculum. So, of yeah. course, that's also very meaningful. That's not something that you may put us on, but it's just meaningful that you can do that and, and contribute to the Jewish world all over the world.
0: And do you do any live performances for girls, that sort of a thing, or everything's done uh, via the DVDs?
1: I do. Majority of the time, I go into a city, and I bop from school to school to school to school. That's the number one thing I do. And sometimes I end up doing um, like women's concerts or speaking interjected with performing. In sure, and sometimes it's for seminaries, and so that varies. And sometimes it's here in Israel, and a lot of times I'll have a going just for the concert tour, maybe around a holiday, and I'll just bop from place to place to place. And like I said before, if you're a, a, a Jewish day school and you need Hanukkah entertainment, and it's like what there's not so many performing. Jewish women from Israel in town, so they just gobble it up. In Baruch Hashem, I have a lot of energy, I have a lot of high energy, I have a strong mission, and it's a lot of fun. Everyone really likes it.
0: And what's on the horizon next? You've done five DVDs so far. Are you already planning the next
1: one? or? So right now, we've kind of gotten to the direction of going into courses. Just to, and it's so much fun because I can connect with different people around the world. Like with my top dance course, now I have someone in Hungary taking it, while someone in Israel is doing it, while someone in America is doing it. And that's very fun. And it's just a way that all Jews can be connected. And, again, like you can tap into a Jewish role model here in Israel and learn something and also figuring out how we're going to use the Internet for good. Like, you know, either you don't have access to it or people want to use the Internet. And here you are. You can learn skills. And and teaching over and give it over. Um, so, especially so just to explain,
0: this is a virtual tap dancing class, so people pay to register as a student and they watch your class online and can tap along with you? It's pre-recorded classes.
1: Got it. And they're, they're actually there are hard copies or there's are set dates that they start, they're pre-recorded classes that you watch, and you can send in feedback. And then I send back a video. It's totally crazy.
0: Wow, this is definitely high-tech, uh, virtual tap glasses. <laughs> and um, do you, I guess... And it's we're... crazy. They send
1: the video, they show me what they did, and they send back feedback.
0: Wow, very cool. Um, and the question, as we're, we're coming to a close here, um, I would love for you to share with our listeners some thoughts about um, doing out-of-the-box things that are within halacha. Um, you know, because I think it takes a certain amount of... Uh, I guess, self-confidence or self-assurance or just you know, sort of belief in oneself to continue mm-hmm. despite the naysayers. So um, for someone that's considering, um, you know, because, you know, here you and I are Bali Chua that had sort of uh, past experiences and talents that we tried to find a way to, you know, connect into our life after we came from, for any FFBs out there that, you know, maybe have some T- talents that are undeveloped, or they haven't figured out how to use them yet. Do you have any advice about how to you know, sort of conquer the, the naysayers and, and, you know, um, succeed in something that's out of the box, but still within the bounds?
1: Correct. I'm sure. I want to say you have to have a good sit down with yourself and think about what you want for your life, because it's your life. It's not Sarah's life, it's not Leah's life, unless that's your name. It's your life, and Hashem doesn't want you to be everybody else. He made you you, and if He gave you a joy to a certain area, and if He gave you a talent in a certain area, then those joys and talents. And your goal in life is not to be like everybody else; it's to be you. So that you should take all that that um, that person, that individualism that you were given, and tap into yourself and use it. And you should have the strength because you're good enough, and you can do what you're meant to do in life. You're beautiful, I love you, and you should do what you, what you are meant to do.
0: Okay, I love it. And where can our listeners uh, find out more about Rabbits and Tap and your DVDs and the courses and all that good stuff?
1: Great. So I have a website, com, and you can type in YouTube, Rabbits and Tap, or you can email me, Tap at Gmail, and I would love to hear from anyone. I'm always open for new ideas to spread the joy.
0: And do you have any upcoming speaking tours? Any places that, I mean, our listeners are literally all around the world, so any places that um, people can see you in the in the So it looks days? like February is going to be New York, Florida. So if you're in New York, Florida,
1: contact and, me.
0: And if somebody wants to book you to speak in their school or in their shul, how, how can they reach you? The
1: best way is the website, RebisonTap.com. And then when you get to the contact form, the information, it's me, myself, and I, and I would love to talk to anybody.
0: Okay, excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, on today's show, and we we really uh, very much appreciate that you have become this role model for: It was really Jewish nice girls. talking to you, Allison. Thank you for thank you again. Happy Hanukkah.: Thanks, Happy Hanukkah. And thank you for listening today. We've got lots of Hanukkah content on JewInTheCity.com this week. Um, We've got cheese pairings for every single night of Hanukkah. We did a Hanukkah haul at Pomegranate. Uh, A haul is uh, sort of a YouTube-style video where someone goes shopping at their favorite store and gets a lot of cool things and... Uh, it was my first time in pomegranate when we filmed this, and it's pretty unbelievable how many incredible kosher products are available, top of the line, out of the box. Um, like I say in the video, when I was growing up, kosher seemed to me, as a non-kosher keeper, all the things that you couldn't do, all the restrictions, and coming to a store like pomegranate and seeing how many uh, products there are and Really, not only competing, but uh, you know, even maybe better than some of the non-kosher products that are out there. Um, so we put that fun video together, and um, we will be here same time, same place next week. Thanks so much for listening. Happy Hanukkah.